Welcome to Senior Living Marketing Perspectives. I'm Debbie Howard, co-founder of Senior Living Smart. And today my guest is Claire Carlisle. And Claire is a local search expert with Bright Local. And she also owns her own marketing agency, Claire Carlisle Marketing, uh, focused on making the most out of digital marketplace and specializing in SEO, local SEO, and review management. Her company is based in the UK and she serves clients abroad as well. So welcome, Claire. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's nice to see you here. It's great to have you. And I, I really enjoyed your website. And I thought your headline of, I love helping small businesses get more lovely customers, sell more good things and do better at digital marketing was just, I don't know, it just, it was very authentic. And I think about our audience because in seniors housing, I have to tell you, I meet the best people, the kindest people, and they're all really authentically trying to do the good things. So I thought you would be such a good fit for this show because you seem to align with people who are really trying to do good in, in their own way. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So today we are going to dive into all things uh, related to what used to be Google My Business, GMB, which is now GBP, which is Google Business Profiles. <laughs> and there's been some changes and updates and new features. This has gone through several iterations. And so I, I know that this is an area of expertise for you. And I would love for you just to share with our audience, just an overview of maybe what has changed beside the name, maybe previous iterations, where we're going with this, and really the importance of making sure that you are leveraging and, and optimizing this uh, marketing channel. Oh, that's a, that's a big one, isn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> I think, so G, G, what was GMB, what was before Google Places and all of the other names that it's had? as well as being an area of, I hope it's an area of expertise for me, but it's a real area of passion and interest of mine because working with the business profile for local businesses is just super important in terms of your business listing is often the first thing that people are going to see. And it is going to be the thing that is going to influence them in terms of, are they going to click through to your website? Are they not going to click through to your website? Are they going to click through to a competitor's website? Will they make a phone call? There's so many things that people can do within your business profile that are you know, business critical for you that you really need to treat it as if it was an extension of your website. I, I sometimes uh, refer to it as like um, the CMS they never knew they had because businesses need to know how to make their business profile feed into all these different places that their business will be seen uh, on Google Maps and in Google search to make sure that the same care and attention that they're, they're making on their websites with um, imagery, words, call to actions, they need to be doing the same thing in their Google business profile, which is a very rich and featured back end itself. So that's one of the things that I love speaking to businesses about is how to make the most of those first impressions. That's wonderful. And I know we've uh, been in situations where we have a new client 
One of the first things we do, the low-hanging fruit, is to immediately get into that profile and optimize it. That is something that can be done you know, quickly. You have to know what's most important and what to uh, focus on. But we've had situations where a client has acquired a group of communities from a competitor. And those communities then are renamed and rebranded. We had one uh, client that for six months, they had these new communities that they were managing. They never claimed the business listings. And so all of the leads, the phone numbers, the website of their community that they were managing and supposed to be generating leads were still connected to the previous owner. So the previous owner is still getting all of the phone calls and all of the web leads. That's very basic. Step number one, claim your listing. <laughs> and, and step number two is understand that if there has been a change you know, of name, of ownership or management or phone numbers usually change within an acquisition, that those things are you know, that's at the lowest end, right, of your Google My Business optimization. But I think it's important to start there because some people just miss the basics. Mm -hmm. But if we get to that point and the business listing is claimed, and another thing is that people don't seem to understand that they have to choose the right category. We've seen assisted living communities that have chosen medical clinic or nursing home or adult day center. It's bizarre what their listings are. So can you maybe talk through the priority um, of op optimizing and, and where to start? What are the basics? And then really, what are the things that, that can super optimize your listing? I'd say the, the basics, as you say, claim the business listing to make sure that you have access to it and make sure that the right people have access to it. That's another thing that happens is you look at users of a listing and see that it's, um, oh, that was the web agency we used to work with um, 10 years ago and they're still in there. So that, that's one of the things. So go in, have a little look at that sort of um, basic hygiene of that listing. And then you've got the name, the address, the phone number and the primary category. You, you need to make sure that all of those things are correct. Obviously, there's lots of things to say about making sure that it is your business name that isn't um, filled with keywords, which, you know, can help you rank better, but it isn't very good in terms of not looking like a spammer. Address, obviously, that's important because people might be navigating to you. You actually have a bricks and mortar location, phone number. And if you want to run call tracking, then you need to make sure that you are incorporating that into your phone number. And then as you're talking about the primary category remains of great importance. So a way of working out categories is have a look and see what your competitors are using or not even your competitors have a think about your when I work with businesses I always look at it doesn't have to be your immediate geographic competitors what are the people that are like you and are like the services that you provide but you aspire to be and that might be in a different market that might be in a different country but it's something that we can look at and say yeah they're getting it right they're doing it beautifully mm -hmm. that's what I need to do there is a chrome add-on which I think is called GMB spy which is quite useful so you can see the competitor listings Bright Local itself in the our software allows you to see the categories of the nearest competitors. And then there is another really good tool, which is by, I think it's Pleeper or Plepper. 
Anyway, it's on the dot com and it is um, a complete list of all the categories because Google do add categories and they do take away categories. So that's a really great way of going in um, and seeing what actually exists. And obviously, when you're in your listing, you can just tap in and Google will start um, suggesting stuff. But you need to be a little bit more strategic than that. You might find that you also need to swap around your primary categories and your secondary categories, depending on, I don't know, the time of year or depending on you know what's happening generally in the world in terms of um, supply and demand. So uh, the category question is a lot more nuanced than just choose a good category. It's, you need to do your research on that one. Yeah, and it's also important to get those subcategories because you may be a retirement community, but you also offer assisted living and yeah. memory care and dementia support yeah. and home yeah. care. And yeah. so the more the primary, yes, but we find yes. that most people stop at the primary yes. and they miss all those keywords. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So um, the primary category is super important and that will probably appear, I think it appears in the front end, how your potential customer would see you. But everything that we include and tell Google about our business is obviously very relevant because that will help inform Google about what it is and what we do, even if it's not showing for potential customers in the front end. You need to feed the correct information into Google. You have the best chance of um, being returned in the results. <laughs> So those are the basics. Now let's yes. get to the fun stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's if anyone has had a look at their business profile, set it and forget it. Let's just make sure the basics are there and hasn't logged into their dashboard or however they're managing their profile. They could be in with some surprises because the thing is that Google does add new functionality, changes things often without much uh, fanfare or explanation of what it is, what it does, and who it's for. So we're all testing it all the time. What's new? What's there? How does it work? And everything that's um, in there, you know, as a business, you're rather than focusing on, is this a ranking factor? We need to consider everything in terms of is this conversion factor? Is this going to help people make a decision about calling me, visiting the location, clicking through to the website? So we've got to use all of those features to give people, our potential customers, and Google the right information about us. So we have, we have our business description. We have Google posts, photos, obviously. We have services. We have attributes. We have reviews. We have messaging. We have reserve with Google. There's so many different parts of functionality within, I was about to say Google My Business, Google, Google Business Profiles. <laughs> we need to make the, I don't, uh, there's also Q&A. I don't know if you want to touch on any of those individual bits because um, when you, I think the first thing that a business needs to do is Google themselves. Uh, and hopefully mm -hmm. they'll be seeing their business profile or a large part of their business profile appearing on the right-hand side. So we, we talk about making sure that whatever is showing there is as rich, detailed, and compelling as you can possibly make it. So Google can be pulling some of that stuff from third-party sites, for example, review sites, event sites. But the features that exist, you need to make sure that you're using them. So you take up lots of space. So you look beautiful and you give people lots of chances to click on links to our websites to get them to where we want them to go. Yeah, we still find there's so many, uh, there's so many 
opportunities to optimize and it does always change. So things like appointment setting, although we would love for Google to change it to tour today because we're trying to drive tours. I think the, the language that they use is appointments, yes. schedule an appointment, but yes. that should not just link back to your homepage. That should actually link to a landing page where you can schedule yes. that tour. You can choose yes. your date and or your yes. preferred date and time, right? Yeah. There are so many places in Google My Business that we can be linking back to our website. So depending on our, it's normally our primary category that will mean what we get within Google My Business. So we could have an appointment URL. We'll have our primary website URL. That's the one that appears as website in the, our actual uh, business profile. But we could have an appointment link. People can add Google My Business products. They can also link to the website. Google My Business posts can link through to the website. So when you say something like, we want people to take a tour, if businesses are focusing on, okay, these are our priority, these are our priority actions that we want people to take. Okay, what real estate do we have available in our business profile that we can use to communicate that message? So Google Posts, for example, that could be a really powerful um, use of a Google Post to use that come for a tour. Okay. Whether, that's, whether that's an online tour, it depends how people are working. <laughs> we have to offer choice today, don't we? <laughs> Virtual or in person, depending on comfort level and current status. <laughs> so if we set up the products, so if somebody has a multiple level of care. So they offer assisted living, they offer Alzheimer's care, they have different products. Each one of those can be set up to a product that would lead back to that particular page on the website, which is probably very keyword enriched, maybe a pillar page that's sharing a lot of information that would drive the traffic. Just sounds like what it is, basic common sense of how do you make it easier for prospects to navigate directly to the information rather than having everyone land on your homepage and have to click through and find everything. Would you say like optimizing is really about making that experience better on the prospect or you know, on the prospect side? Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that we're doing is by using all of this functionality in Google My Business is making sure that they can see as much as possible scrolling down from the business profile. So if we are, we do have services or products that we want to line up as products, then we need to think about it beforehand. We need to plan it out in terms of what's the architecture of my products here? How am I going to put them into subgroups? I want to make sure my most important ones are viewable without having to scroll through in the carousel. So obviously great photos. And, and talking mm -hmm. about photos, the, the same way that we need to think about the photos that we use on our website and in our social media, we need to do the same when it comes to Google business profiles. And then a strong CTA, nobody's going to want to read 400 words of what that product or service is about. It needs to be strong CTA and then a link through to the page in question. And I'm sure we'll get onto this in a moment. You need to make sure that you mark up all of your links with uh, UTM tracking. So then when people do get to your website that they've come from Google business profile, and you can start thinking about, okay, which parts of the business profile is driving traffic to my website and what are they doing once they get there? Let's jump into that. So, <laughs> so UTM uh, tagging and 
just basic insights. So if I'm starting out and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, gosh, I haven't listened. I haven't looked at my listing in, in years. I just put it up there and I thought that I was done with it. First of all, how do I get a sense of where the opportunities are, where the gaps are, what needs to be optimized, how I'm showing up. Maybe you can walk us through that from a user perspective and then talk about what insights does a BMP offer and then the whole tracking and and tagging really the data that's coming through and how to use that. Yeah, for sure. Anyone that's already poking around in Google business profile will have seen that there are insights. So there's an insight section in there. So I think the main things that I use in that section are the actions that people have taken on that business profile. So it could be driving directions, it could be phone call, and then they also give you a website visits metric. But what we mustn't do is become um, preoccupied with matching that data against what we can get from Google Analytics once we've tagged things up. So just see them as two um, separate sets of metrics. And what we're looking for is directionality rather than this is this and this is this. We need to, we wanted to see it going like that, basically. That would be a start in terms of looking at some metrics. Like I said, it doesn't tell us uh, what people do when they get to our website. And if you don't have your UTM tagging in place, Google just pops uh, traffic either in the direct bucket or in the organic bucket. So organic bucket is fine, but it doesn't let us know, oh, organic traffic from search or organic traffic from parts of Google that is populated by the uh, business profile. So I've written um, a guide to UTM tagging. So rather than running through the specifics now, people should probably go ahead and have a look at that. I did a whiteboard Friday for Moz on UTM tagging, and that's a really good intro to explain what is a UTM tag? Why are we actually going to add these? And then the actual sort of semi-technical part of actually making the tags, I've made a Google sheet that auto-generates them for people. All they need to do is just pop their URLs in and it will auto-generate them. So it might, for some people, maybe that is sounding scary, but it really, 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 really shouldn't because read the stuff, get them put in place. And another thing that people should be obviously have set up in Google Analytics is their goals and events. So thinking about senior living, what are we wanting people to do? We might want them to make an appointment. So we should have some sort of goal around that. There might be a download. There might be a certain video view, could be a click to call, a click to email. So all of those things on your um, website, we're now going to be able in Google Analytics to say, okay, organic traffic gave me 25 clicks to call. 15 of those were via my Google business profile. Why aren't we investing more heavily in this? So it's, it's another really good way to demonstrate the return of all the hard work that we really need to do on our, on our business profiles to make them look amazing and mm-hmm. click worthy. Oh, that's great. That's, it's not, it probably sounds a little too technical for some folks. <laughs> Who typically does this in an organization? Is it in the marketing team or does it lie more with the IT or technical digital team to do these types I, of updates? Yeah, I wouldn't. I It depends on the size of the team, one would imagine. But it often ends up being the marketer, person that's responsible for SEO, local SEO. And then I always say, Okay, if you're that person, you're the marketer, you're the local marketer, is there a data 
and reporting person within your organization because you really need to go to that person to make sure that you're not messing up any of their metrics and their KPIs <laughs> by putting in so basically but what it needs to be it needs to be all of those people within the organization because to make it siloed isn't great people don't understand what the other people are doing and what they're trying to measure what does success look like because mm-hmm. hopefully success should look pretty similar for all of those sort of marketing, sales, um, analytics-y, measurement type people. Yeah, it could be anyone within the organization, but I would imagine it's going to be someone within sales, marketing, measurement, the person that's in charge of uh, actually demonstrating their worth. <laughs> yeah, all the ROI. That's what everybody wants. Yeah. Well, we'll you make sure they money. Have... <laughs> that's right. Because marketing can seem very fluffy to so many people. And it's like, I think my marketing's working. Maybe half of it is. I'm just not sure which half. Yeah, so yeah. I think all this, the tagging and the data that you can get and the goals that you're setting up, it's measurable. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a mystery. We should know every single channel and the ROI that, that we're driving. And the data should inform the strategy. We should learn from it. So we'll make sure to have all of those links to your resources in the show notes so that people can get over to uh, see what you've done with Moz and the spreadsheet that they can download to, to get started. So let's talk a little bit about reviews. So obviously a big part of the Google you know, business profile are those reviews. So can you touch a little bit on on reviews management. And one of the things that that I see often with senior living is we're not really asking for reviews. We're not encouraging them. We're not making it easy for people. We're hoping they review us. That's really what what we want. Yeah, I sure hope somebody leaves me a review. But is there something more that we can do? And in terms of just reviews management, being proactive, responding correctly, and just the overall how Google looks at reviews in terms of weighting it for the purposes of of ranking you ultimately? Mm -hmm. I think reviews is such a big thing, not even just within Google. It's how we it's how we get information and feedback from our customers and potential customers. So I call it the review and feedback loop, because that's the idea is that it comes full circle and you listen, you understand, you tweak your own offerings based on those things. But if we look at the importance of reviews within Google and within people making searches on Google, it's important. Mm-hmm. I don't know, think about how you use a review as, as a person. I don't like to just say consumer because it just that doesn't sound very nice. But uh, just as a, a user of products and services, mm-hmm. you um, it's really important. Reviews we read them, we look at them, we look at the total number, we look at the average, we look at then vignettes of the reviews. Don't we look at you know what do people say, and then to take it a step further, we also look at okay, this person had a not very good thing to say. What did the business, how did the business respond? Mm -hmm. Because um, so much of your, it's it's almost like a story, isn't it? That you put together a feel for a business by looking at what people say about them and how that business responds to them. So that is an element of it. Someone within the organization needs to take ownership of, if we're just thinking about like the Google review scape, for monitoring and for responding appropriately. So you need something internally that you've put together that, that, that works with your brand, with your tone of voice, with how you should be managing things like that. Lots of people have written really good pieces about uh, responding to reviews. So maybe we could pop mm-hmm. those in the show notes as well. So we know as people, reviews are very important. 
as uh, Google, we imagine that those are also very important in terms of ranking. They're not just ranking because it's not like, oh, you've got loads of reviews. Also, giving Google information about your, what we call your entity, your business. So the words that people use and the way that they talk about you is obviously going to inform Google about what it is that you do and how that you do it. Um, so yes, reviews are very important for ranking. They're important for conversions. We need to look at how many we have. We need to look at our ratings and we need to be getting more reviews. So yes, we do need to work out a process for at which point during the customer journey we make the review request how we make it and the words that we use yeah it is a big it's a big area reviews <laughs> yeah it, it is a lot of times we we find that clients have good reviews they just don't have very many of them you'll go mm -hmm. on the website and then they'll be have a 4.8 but only three people have ever mm -hmm. sent a review we've also had people try to game the system by having employees write reviews. Mm -hmm. I work here and it's a great place, which is highly mm -hmm. discouraged. <laughs> I, I would say that we do use Bright Local for our clients. And part of it is for the reviews management tool that they have. And some of the favorite things that, that we like to do, number one is we can sort out all the four and five star reviews that have a comment and we can install the widget onto our WordPress client websites. And then it pulls over in real time all those great four and five star reviews with comments. So people are always worried about pulling all of them over in that instance that there might be a poor review, but Bright Local really allows you to, to prioritize those great reviews. Also, it makes it easy uh, for us to set up some templates, like here's five positive starter templates and here's three negative starter templates so that the user's still have to customize them. They still have to add yes. to address personally yes. what people have said. How do you make it easier and shortcut so that they're able to edit them rather than start from scratch? So we like that. And I think the other thing we've done is we've run reviews campaigns where we've asked the our clients to supply their happiest residents and family members, people that are, that they know are their raving fans. And then we can actually upload those emails and every month just to a couple of people say, it would mean the world to us if you would review us. We're trying to ask for the reviews of people that, that have been pre-selected. I don't know whether there's any other tools that we're missing, but those are some of the features and functions in Bright Local that have been most helpful for us. Yeah, for sure. I think that tools and whatever your workflow is for that is really important. But one of the one of the things that each business needs to do individually is basically put together their review strategy, which is with a true understanding of their customers and at which point, which touch point should they be asking, how often, all of those types of things. And obviously mm -hmm. we have, um, we have, we've spoken about Google, but there are um, other places, niche specific places that we need to be getting reviews. If you look at your business profile, if you Google your actual business name, it's quite likely that Google could be pulling in third party mm -hmm. reviews. So you need to look at which website is it that's getting pulled in there, because we don't always want to um, just ask for Google reviews. It might be that we need them in other places. And also sometimes we want first party reviews that we can use on our, oh, doesn't always have. It's nice to have first party with permission to use those because you can use mm -hmm. those across your marketing materials as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good point of making 
making the requests for reviews kind of part of your customer journey and your workflow. We do a lot with HubSpot. So it's, there's the ability right, right now even to embed texts. So if somebody tours the community, we can automate the fact that 30 minutes after the tour, we can say, tell us about your experience. And some of those things are easier to do with text, I think, than email, because mm-hmm. it's easy to quickly respond. <clears throat> so let's move into ranking, local ranking. Uh-huh. <laughs> Senior living is very local. Most people move in, they choose a community based on mm-hmm. location and price mm-hmm. and differentiation. But location is certainly in the top three within that decision. People might drive a little bit longer to get what they think is going to be a better experience, but they want their loved one to be close. And it used to be that our job was to get people on page one. Now it seems like our job has turned into get me into the the three pack and map. (laughs) So even page one isn't good enough anymore. And I know it's a big mystery around the algorithm and it's changed what we had eat and then we had ice. And (laughs) so what do we know or can you demystify or give any insights into that function of how we can rank? What can we do to improve our opportunity to get into that three pack? Lots of different things, but so <laughs> when we talk about local search, we do have the um, the three pack and the local finder, but obviously there are the um, local organic results as well. So we'll be looking at both of those places. But Google is, so when you have your map pack, which Google, you don't actually have to add a, a modifier in terms of your location. If you were looking for home care services and you make a search, Google takes it as your one of the intents of that is going to be this is a local search, this is someone looking for a local business. So they'll give the map pack as well as other results, which might be relevant depending on the intent. So the map pack itself, I don't know if anyone is familiar, they might be with the local search ranking factors survey that is done every year since I can't remember since wheels were square and David (laughs) started it and it's now been taken over by Darren Shaw but what he does is he surveys I don't know how many is 30 or 40 people that work within local SEO to get their ideas about what might be most important in terms of the local algorithm which he splits then into the map pack our local finder and also Mm -hmm. local organic but what we need to remember that this is um this is not google saying these are all the things that you need to do this is people's uh, take on what they think uh, might be the ranking factors google tells us about the the local algorithm telling us that it's about proximity relevance and prominence now prominence is a bit like authority when we think about websites We know that, we know those things, and Google also gives us lots of information about what makes a good business listing. But if anyone is thinking, okay, I I really need to work on this, I need to work on my my local presence, then definitely go and have a little look at the uh, ranking factors survey. But we know that Google My Business is going to be very important. Google My Business itself, the information that we put into our listing, is going to be very important to help Google rank us in the map pack. Because if Mm -hmm. we don't have a Google My Business listing, we cannot appear in the map pack. 
for our business. So all of the basic things that we talked about, making sure it's claimed, that it has uh, got the correct name, address, phone number. And now we need to think about all the other things that need to be in there. Reviews is going to be a big factor in there. We can't change the proximity factor because we can't influence where people are searching from. But we can take proximity into account, say, for example, if we were choosing a new venue or a new, basically a new place, because where you have a very um, populated area, you're going to have lots of searches. If you're going to have a lot of competitors within an area, then obviously, again, you have less likelihood of ranking. So it's a very subtle play around those things. But yes, yeah, so um, making sure all your information is correct making sure that you give Google as much information as possible. But even then, we need to not forget that don't be just purely obsessed with your Google business profile, because if you're a local SEO and you're doing local SEO, you need to do all the regular SEO stuff as well. So your website also mm -hmm. needs to be, you need to be make sure that it's fast, <coughs> that it's indexable, that you have the relevant information on there, that you have good internal linking, that you had good backlinks. All of the normal things that we need to do, we need to do those in addition to making sure you have a really good Google business profile listing and get reviews and add photos and use posts. Oh, Sounds exhausting. <laughs> it's, just, it's an opportunity <laughs> rather than that. I, I get really excited about it. It is. And it's art and science too, right? So there's, there's the whole back end, you know, technical aspect and you're never going to be fast enough for Google. Every time we run those page speed reports, yeah. it's like we would have to get rid of every photo and every video yeah. and everything that makes the website pretty and engaging in order to hit that no, one second. We just, we just need to be faster than our competitors. There you go. Yeah. That's a better goal. That's a much better goal. And we'll put into the show notes. We have some free um, audits that folks can do if they want to uh, see how Google is ranking their website or their SEO. Um, Bright Local does offer us some free scanning uh, type mm -hmm. of tools that are really pretty robust. Mm -hmm. um, I know that one tool that we really like in, in Bright Local, which has been so helpful, and I don't know whether you've, you use it as well, Claire, it's the, um, it's that grid, it's that ranking. Yes, grid. yes, yes, yes. Wow, yes, yes. that's local, like a game yeah. changer. So yeah. local search yeah. grid where you, yeah. you, you pin your client. Uh-huh. And then you put in your keywords mm -hmm. of their products and services, and you can run it as many times as you want. Mm -hmm. So in our industry, mm -hmm. retirement community, senior living, assisted living, on and on, each one is a local uh, scan. And then it will, you don't have to put your competitors in, it knows your competitors. And it tells you where you rank by every part of the grid. You go out five miles or 10 miles and yeah. you can see, wow, yeah. closest to my community, I'm number one, yeah. but gee, over here, I'm number 12. Yeah, two uh, blocks away, everything. <laughs> change so it's a very it's very visual and the nice thing about that as well is you can click on any one of those dots and then you can see how things change that that's a brilliant tool for for reporting but also for getting the work done because you yes. can use that to say okay well we're here who are our competitors is anyone using any keyword stuff names that I need to deal with? Because, you know, what we haven't touched on and spam, not necessarily so much within your niche, but if people um, are using additional sort of primary keyword terms in their name and it's not actually their name, they're just throwing it in there to get visibility, then you can, depending, it's a bit of a game of whack-a-mole, but you can remove that. <laughs> if you remove five listings, 
you move up five places. It all depends on your sort of competitive set. But yeah, that that tool is awesome to see how things are changing, to quickly identify where your competitors are creeping up and you might be losing visibility. It was also really interesting. We had an update to the algorithm recently. I think, so Joy Hawkins, I think, called it the proximity update. So what they did was dialed up proximity, but potentially dialed down or made less important keywords in business names to maybe Mm -hmm. try and deal with this spam so if you were running those reports beforehand you might Mm -hmm. be able to see has this benefited my clients or have my clients actually lost visibility because of this update so I love that tool just because you can get a visual across the months across the quarters across the years of um, what happened What's happening in the marketplace? Who are the movers and shakers? (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful business insights. It really is. And I guess the last thing to touch on, although it's not a big topic, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but just making sure the last thing is citations and directories. Are they cleaned up? Are they accurate? One thing I really appreciate about Right local, and we've used multiple citation management tools, Yext and BirdEye, and various. I think we've gone through three. <laughs> and what I appreciate is I, I used to pay forever for citation management. And really, once you clean them up, because there are just to uh, create some context, people create directories all the time that our clients are completely unaware of that they're even listed. So someone could start a business saying, oh, I'm going to start my little business about uh, referrals to to senior living communities. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to create a website and I'm going to list all of them and I'm going to do some lead gen and then sell those leads back to them. So I don't even know that I've been listed. They didn't have to ask my permission or anything else. But if there's a change, if my name changes, if I get acquired, if I change a phone number, anything else, there is that trust factor with Google, right? To make sure that you're not listed as one thing in one place and and all your directories and citations are just a mess. We we had a client that was listed as a vape shop. Ah. I don't know Ah. how, but somehow their business listing got brought in as a vape shop. And we're like, what the heck is going on? So there is a way to do that one-time initial cleanup, but you shouldn't have to pay for it every single month forever. Correct? No, no. Especially if you're the type of business that wants your name, address, and phone number is correct. It's not going to make a huge amount of difference your business isn't going to fundamentally change so paying for an ongoing service where you have to keep paying or when you stop paying they'll revert back to the originals then that that's not a solution for certain types of businesses so with citations and if anyone has dipped into the world of local seo over the years you have declining importance in terms of google probably used to use mentions of our name, address, and phone number. People talk about NAP consistency. Now, mm-hmm. Google is Google is very clever. It, it doesn't rely on all of these strange little directories to make sense of us and our businesses. <laughs> but what it is important is if you think about the main listings, the aggregators that then feed in information to third parties. I think a lot of people forget their Apple Maps listings concentrating purely on the the Google universe there's a lot of people that use iPhones there's a lot of people that have in their cars they 
it uses Apple Maps by default. So you need to make sure that you've claimed that listing. Those are the important ones. And then with regard to, oh, I've got 6 million citations that I need to update. I'd probably um, Google my business name and see what is appearing on the first two or three pages. If any, if they're most, if they're correct, then that's great. Because one of the things about citations, it's not necessarily so much about, oh, Google will think I'm something else. It's like, no, what if someone actually uses that information and ends up being a, a sad a sad and upset person that's not very happy with your brand because it said that you were here or that you were open during a certain time so mm -hmm. i think that's one of the biggest things is understand where what has visibility for your brand term and then making sure that you're updated in those places that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks so much for just uh, expounding on that because we get a lot of questions and it's easy to run those uh, free scans to see where yeah, you have inconsistencies. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's lots of, of tools. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. If people maybe want to, do you want to do a little overview on Bright Local? We use it for all of our clients and have found it to be so very helpful. We've tried, you know, multiple other platforms, but for this one, for, for us, for our industry, we've just found this to be the most intuitive, the easiest to use, and really the most helpful. Pure transparency for everybody listening. We are a client and certainly a fan. Anything you want to close with around Bright Local before we tell people how to find you personally? <laughs> I don't think so, because I think that um, your testimonial is like the most important thing in that you are, you know, an agency doing the best for your clients. And this is what you choose to use. So rather than me saying, oh, it's really good. It is really good. <laughs> it's just super important that you use it and that it works for you. And I've used it. I'm a sort of mini boutique agency. I love all the elements of it for me for, I don't do much prospecting for clients, but what I do use it for <laughs> is for reporting. And I use it for all the things that we talked about, which is running a scan of the business profile and it will help me identify bits that need tidying up. And it is good for you to be able to export a snapshot of where that business is now. So that's that's me doing my hard sell. I don't need to do a hard sell of Bry Local. It's, <laughs> it's excellent. It really is. Oh, that's great. And then if, if people want to find you personally, if they've listened to this podcast and said, I'm exhausted hearing all the things I have to do. I don't know that I have the resources to do it myself. Maybe Claire can help me. Uh, <laughs> one thing I have thought. I have thought about a really good thing about Bright Local, which is the fact that in terms of the content hub that they have around, I don't know how to do this. I need to know more about this. I need to know about what does this mean? So their content is just absolutely brilliant. So they have a lot of, in, they have in-house writers, they have industry, real good industry people that come in to write. Another thing that they have, which people maybe don't know about is the Bright Local Academy. So you do need to sign up, but it's a free resource with video courses from reporting in local SEO, keyword research for local SEO, GMB 101, content from amazing speakers and practitioners, but that are really good at putting together content. So that's probably, aside from the software part of Bright Local, that's my favorite <laughs> bit. It's, their resources are great. I'm on Twitter quite a lot. So I'm Claire Carlisle on Twitter. So if anyone wanted to tap me up and ask me any questions about UTM tagging, then that is where they will find me. Wonderful. Well, these show notes are going to be jam-packed with all kinds <laughs> of links and information. <laughs> 
Claire, so appreciate you sharing your senior living marketing perspectives with us. And we will maybe see you someday when we all get back out there. Yes, that would be lovely. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It was lovely to speak with you. Thank you, Claire. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.